Hello, everybody, and welcome to Parks Podcast. My name's Austin Parkinson, and if you're like me, you've been sitting around in anticipation of The Last Dance, the Bulls documentary, all day long. We just got done watching it, and my plan is to bring in my good friend Dan Bure from Jacksonville. Uh, he is from Chicago, grew up a Bulls fan and a Jordan fan, and I thought each week we would recap it and uh, talk about our thoughts from the episodes and uh, maybe some of our memories growing up. And Dan, thanks for joining me. And, you know, what were your initial thoughts of, uh, of the documentary? Well, like you, uh, Austin, for, first of all, thanks for having me on. But uh, I, I was, uh, the, as you alluded to, this was highly anticipated, especially given everything that's going on, you know, no sports for the last four or five weeks. So I, I was really excited, woke up like it was game day, uh, so to speak. Uh, I, I thought it was tremendous. And it, it you had heard all the reviews, uh, had listened to some talk shows last week, kind of uh, building up to it. And everybody that had seen it uh, in its entirety uh, spoke very highly of it. So, so I was excited for it. And, and I thought it was really good. Uh, the, the deep dive into Scotty Pippen was probably, uh, what I did not remember. You know, I was in high school when this was going on and didn't remember anything about his contract being so little. So that was probably what stuck out to me the most, uh, that I did not remember initially. Well, the Scotty part. So the two parts with that was one, his, his background. I mean, you know, Jordan, you hear the Jordan story all the time of he was cut from his high school team and, uh, you know, he stuck with it. But Scotty was an equipment manager at Central Arkansas. Uh, a couple guys, you know, lose their scholarship. He joins the team and, gr- you know, grows five inches. And I mean, the highlights that they played of Scotty in college were, I mean, dominant. And I don't remember, you know, in my childhood, I didn't remember him being the fifth pick in the draft. And I didn't remember him being picked by Seattle and then being traded. Is that something, for whatever reason, I thought he was a second round pick or a late first round. Uh, but his journey to the NBA was, you know, I thought was also surprising. Yeah, that, that was all new to me as well. I I, I may have remembered or, or got refreshed there once once I saw him in the supersonic hat on draft night. But, but I don't really recall much of that. Um, certainly the highlights, like you said, that, that don't coming down the middle of the lane, you know, coming over and blocking shots. Um, it, it was, it was all a pretty refreshing memory to me. Well, the timing of the documentary obviously is incredible with everything that's going on. And, you know, we would be watching this in, in June after the finals. Now there's there's no sports. And, and I felt like today was uh, like getting ready for a Super Bowl, except you knew the matchup was going to be incredible. And uh, I've just all, all day long, I've been excited. And I, I wanted to ask you, it's kind of a strange question, but, you know, we get the fortune of watching this on ESPN. But let's just say this was like a prize fight that, you know, 10 episodes and uh, you had to pay for it. What would you have paid pay-per-view to tune in, not knowing how great it's going to be? How much would you have paid for a pay-per-view of this? Boy, that that's a good question. I'm, if you're talking on a per episode basis uh, or for the series in general, I mean, just think about what people are paying for, for Netflix. I think, I think it would be, at least the equivalent of that, if not, if not double knowing that, Hey, we're only going to see 10, 10 hours of coverage, but 
you know, well, well worth it. You know, I, I would, I would think that number would escalate in, into the hundreds for, for a lot of the people that grew up in this era. And that would include me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the thing I was thinking about how, you know, how great it is. It's free for us to be able to watch as far as, you know, cable and the SPN, but I would have shelled out uh, a lot more uh, to, to watch this. And, you know, my timeline seemed like everybody tonight was was watching. Before we get into the doc, though, one thing I wanted to, to kind of ask you about, and then I'll share mine is, you know, what are the memories you have as a kid uh, and following the Bulls, following Jordan, following Pippen that like just, you know, first thing that flashes into your mind visually uh, from your childhood? Yeah, I was trying to think about that. I grew up in Chicago and I remember at a very young age having, uh, I think it was in Home Alone as well, that that uh, that kind of that stick figure cardboard box, Michael Jordan, uh, that was life size. I remember having that uh, early on and then you know, th- they had they had struggled to get past the Pistons. And, and that's a little bit blurry to me. Uh, I moved to California in the early 90s and I was actually in California uh, when the first championship happened. My, my dad got transferred. He wasn't in L.A. We were in the uh, Oakland, San Francisco, the, the Bay Area. Um, but we were out there for the first and second championship. And I remember being really the first time I, I grabbed a ball and was like, I got to go shoot was during, I think it was the 92 all-star game. Uh, when, when magic had come back, uh, from, from HIV and played in the game. Uh, so, so that would be my first memory of, of really diving into watching it and playing. Well, I had three that stood out to me. I lived in Detroit in 84, uh, 84, 85. And, uh, you know, when the Bulls came to town, I think I think Jerry Seasting was on the uh, on the Bulls at the time. And my dad, uh, because they were teammates, we drove him to the airport. So I got to be in and around the locker wow. room yeah. and, uh, you know, obviously wouldn't have known the magnitude of what Michael Jordan would be down the road. At that point for us, it was the bad boys. And, um, you know, it was interesting. I wore number 11 because of Isaiah, but uh, I grew to hate the Pistons as, as my love for the Bulls, uh, you know, kind of took flight as I continued to watch Jordan. But the two areas I remember is this first is the NBA on NBC uh, on Sundays and in that, you know, the intro music you, yeah. in our house. It was you went to church, you grabbed lunch and you flew home because Jordan and the Bulls were such an event uh, that, it, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, that's that's what you were doing. And it wasn't NFL football back then. It was Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Um, and that's something that I don't think has been replicated at all uh, in this era today. And then the other thing was. The I'm back game, you know, we're in Indiana, I'm in Indianapolis, uh, just the uh, old Market Square Arena and the fanfare that his first game was back in Indianapolis. So, uh, you know, Michael Jordan was, uh, you know, I think my wife said that uh, she was Michael Jordan for Halloween. Uh, You know, she has a Jordan jersey in the closet. I mean, we've got bull stuff still. So, uh, you know, I've been looking forward to this for for quite a long time. Let me ask you with uh, the very beginning of the documentary, it kind of sets the stage. You know, Jerry Krause obviously did a great job in the assembling the team, but, but he comes off as a weasel. He sounds, I just can't imagine if this was, you know, 2020 and you had a team that was finished, you know, potentially going to win their sixth championship of dismantling the team because 
you didn't like the coach or you didn't want to pay the coach. And, uh, you know, that being the backdrop of the documentary, you know, what did you think of that tension to, to start things off and just kind of the finality of knowing, all right, well, this is the last year with the greatest player in the world simply because they don't want to pl- pay Phil Jackson. Yeah, it, it was, you know, the, the, I was watching it, uh, with my wife, Peachy, and I said to her, you know, they got that clip of Michael and he's saying after the 97 final, you know, the, the, the right thing to do is, is let us come back and defend and, until, you know, we, we can't win a championship anymore. The first thing is, is like, well, why couldn't they, you know, d- do it again in 98? But, the, you know, Krause was so hard headed, it appeared that even before the season had started and, and well before that, that, Hey, that this, this is it. And it, it's just too bad that it, it couldn't have continued. But the, the thing that I thought of about what was just ego, you know, you think about ego in sports mm-hmm. all the time. It's brought up a lot today. You know, can, can you, can you leave your ego at the door? Can you put the team, you know, before yourself and, you know, you had a lot going on, you know, you had the issues with Scottie Pippen, you had the issues with the coach, you had the issues with the the general manager where everybody won the credit and here. Michael is making, you know, 36 million or whatever it was in that last season. And Scotty's still working on his previous contract. And it, it just, it shows you that the, the things that are happening today were happening back then. And it, only in, you know, uh, when good teams can put that aside, th- then they then they can become great. I was surprised Reinsdorf didn't step in. I mean, it, to, you know, not continue it even further um, or, or want to pay. You know, I'm not sure. I don't think they had the luxury tax back then. I'm not sure exactly what it was. But to not find a way, uh, you know, who's going to go? Your, your general manager or your coach and your coach is tied to Michael Jordan. To me, that seems like an easy easy decision right there. Right. You know, Jerry right. Krause, we'll see you later and we'll, you know, promote an assistant or, or what have you. But you mentioned something that goes into today. And I was thinking of comparing uh, the Jordan and the Bulls era with the Steph Curry, Golden State and Kevin Durant, you know, the last couple of years, how those level of teams also have a little bit of luck to it. And, and the luck for the Bulls was uh Scotty signs that deal out of necessity for what he felt like was job security uh, or, you know, being able to provide for his family in case of injury. But that seven year deal, uh, you know, locked him in. And then you think of the Warriors uh, prior to the cap going up, you know, Curry had signed when he had hit, you know, as a major star, uh, I think it was like 44 million, which, you know, ended up being at, in that point kind of a, uh, a decent salary, but not great considering he's one of the top five players in the game. And that because of the financial implications of major stars, not being able to sign those max deals, it allowed them to, you know, obviously maximize their ability and their talents and fill out the roster. You know, what do you think of the comparison of those two and how Scotty's contract probably allowed them to, you know, to, to get some of the guys like Rodman and Kukoc on the team? Yeah, it's it. You don't think it at the time, and and you put you know nobody probably thought it when when Scotty agreed to it in '91 or whenever Steph did you know five six seven years ago, and those moves end up being instrumental in terms of like you said being able to add different pieces. You know, they added Dennis Rodman, they get Tony Kukoc, who was one of the best foreign players. 
come across at the time and maybe ever. And, um, it, it really, it really does show you that, you know, the stars need to align, so to speak, in, in order to go on a run. You know, you need a little bit of, little bit of talent, a little bit of hard work, and, and then you need a little bit of luck. And when those, the, those things can combine, uh, you can really, you can really, uh, go on a run. When they went to Paris, it amazed me. Uh, you know, I think uh, the Paris scenes reminded me of the Barcelona scenes when they had dream yeah. team, uh, from the, you know, Michael Jordan airtime videos. But I was thinking, you know, how different, uh, today is versus, you know, back then when we didn't have social media, we didn't have the internet and the, the kind of Beatles, uh, madness, you may say with Jordan, there was mystery, right? Like there was mystery that, you know, that everybody wanted to get eyes on him. They wanted to see him, um, because they didn't have the access to information, uh, that we do today. And, and seeing that scene, you know, with all those people there and what that must've been like. And then the other part is he played every second, you know, I mean, in those games, uh, you know, most of these guys would have, you know, we got load management, you know, for every, you know, NBA star now and in the preseason and something that didn't matter, Jordan is trying to put on a show every night. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard this before, uh, from a variety of different sports writers that have, that have covered the bulls or covered Michael Jordan. And they, they always say, you know, he, he would go out there and he would play for the people that may only be able to see him this one time. And that, that always stuck out. And it's, it's, it's hard to envision that, um, but it's just so special when you think about a guy that every time they're, they're, they're giving it their all and they're going to lace it up and, and hopefully, you know, go make somebody's day. Um, and, and man, I, I, I forgot, and I'd be curious your, your thoughts. I, I forgot it. The, the struggles at the beginning of that year, you know, they go from Paris and then they kind of rewind a little bit and then they come back and, they, they got to go to double OT to, to beat the Clippers for their first road win when they were 0-4 on the road. Um, and th- this isn't the, the Doc Rivers Clippers of today. This is, you know, the Clippers Clippers where nobody even knew who they were. What, what was your take on that? Well, I was, I'd forgot Scotty was out. So, you know, the, right, me the, too. The other, me I'd too. forgot he was out. I, I forgot that he was, you know, injured and, and, you know, now hearing more about the fact that he, in, you know, intentionally waited to get the surgery kind of as a, you know, middle finger to management. And that was kind of the only thing that he could control in that, you know, in that particular case. Um, but to come back from, you know, Paris uh, and thinking about the fact that, you know, they had been on, uh, they'd been playing into June every year, right? They, this was their third champion, you know, their third right. straight championship, but, you know, six in the last eight years or whatever it was. And so, you know, they go to Paris, they're back here, they, you know, they're trying to start the regular season, I'd, I'd forgot as well. And, you know, the 0 and 4 start on the road. Uh, I loved the behind the scenes. I love, you know, seeing just even though it was a short clip of like Jordan in the practice setting, the intensity, you know, that he had. And probably something, I don't know if it, you know, you thought the same thing, but right after he jumped those guys' cases, they, they showed a clip of him in the locker room and he had to be like two feet from Phil and his eyes just locked. I mean, absolutely locked. Yeah. on Phil Jackson and that whole thing of like, you know, he was out for blood every single time out. And I think about some of the games that I've gone to. Uh, I remember going to a game with the Pacers uh, when LeBron was there, when they had Kyrie and uh, you know, he was 
at the end of the bench and I was there with my associate head coach, uh, Latrell Fleming and, you know, just the different, you know, complete different dynamic. And, you know, you could see the respect factor that Jordan had, uh, for him. And he also liked the challenge of, uh, you know, trying to set the tone. So I'll be anxious to see where, uh, cause again, I, my memory doesn't serve me. Where's Rodman fit into this in the coming months? Cause I, I thought he gets a little bit loose, uh, you know, that year and what that's going to look like. Right. Yeah. And, and I think one of these next two episodes, I, I had the uh, uh, Scott Van Pelt Sports Center on and they, they played a they got a little clip going right now of, of the, the coming weeks. And I think either episode three or episode four is going to be a little behind the scenes on Dennis Rodman, which will be uh, for anybody that can remember Dennis will be must see TV for sure. Well, you mentioned it earlier. I could not believe he was when, you know, they showed that um, graphic of being, you know, second on the team in points, you know, second on the team in rebounds, then first in assists, first in steals, but sixth in salary sixth. Yeah. in 122 in the league. And this is a top 50 greatest player of all time. I, I was also a little bit surprised and, and I think today he would probably catch more flack for it, but uh, Jordan, you know, when, when asked questions publicly really didn't come to Scotty's defense as much as I would have thought knowing that those numbers were so obvious. I mean, this wasn't like this was, you know, Scotty asking for something that was, you know, outrageous or even unfair. I was surprised that, you know, Jordan, in that moment, especially knowing that this was the last season, didn't, you know, didn't step forward. I mean, what did you think? Yeah. He almost deferred. He almost said a couple of different times, you know, well, you, you, you need to ask Scotty about that. And, and, and at one point said to the reporter, you know, next question, or do, or do you have any questions about the game? And, you know, obviously these are, these are clips that they're pulling, um, you know, to fit, to fit the storylines, but it, yeah, it was, it was a little bit surprising. And again, I just, you know, I was in high school and I, I just don't really have a great, you know, recollection of how that was all going down during those early months of the season or leading up to the season. You know, it, it seems like it took, you know, weeks after they had won the fifth one to get everything, you know, going forward for the sixth, you know, getting Phil on board, which means Michael's on board and, you know, securing all the little role players uh, to, to, to fit the team. And, you know, I just, I just don't have a great recollection of how it all went down with Scotty during that time. Like, like you said, and, and, and I made the, the comment to you same, same feeling as I was watching it. I forgot that Scotty had missed so much time. Well, and you said at the beginning of the, the pot here that the ego factor, I mean, you think about I mean, ego has broken up team after team after team over the years, whether it be through management, uh, whether it be through, you know, player egos, you know, Shaq and Kobe. Uh, I'm reading a book by Ethan Strauss right now on the kind of end of the, the Golden State era. And uh, and, and you know, the, it's interesting in this book, it compares, you know, Steph Curry's sacrifice as a player was not just as a player, but with his Under Armour deal and Nike and, and you know, KD, you know, with them joining and then the reasons that 
KD left. And again, majority of it came down to, to ego. And, uh, you know, as fans, we sit there and go, why, you know, it should be about winning, should be about championships, but obviously, um, you know, there's so much more that goes into it and, uh, it's repeated itself, you know, over time, you know, not just with the bulls, but, uh, you know, even in today's day and age, I love in the documentary, how it takes you forward. It takes you back. I love that they show the timelines. Um, I love the story about, you know, Jordan being hurt and they could have tanked to get in the lottery. And if that doesn't epitomize like who Jordan is and what he's about, um, yeah. you know, uh, and, and then the, the great line of, uh, you know, the headache medicine, you know, and Jordan's like, give me the, you know, you know, give me the, uh, you know, like what he said on, on TV. I, I thought it was outstanding. Yeah. yeah it depends uh, on how bad the headache is. Yeah. It just depends <laughs> how the bad, bad the headache is. What I didn't know was I didn't realize how bad their record was. So like when they first oh, started gosh. telling that story, you <laughs> You know, it just seemed like, well, they're going to be in the lottery. He was out, but 30 and 52, right. and he goes out in game one in the garden, scores 49 and then drops 63. But here's the best part. I didn't, what would you think of him and Danny Ainge playing golf the day before? Yeah, I, I, I wrote that down. That was, it just, you know, I knew that Jordan eventually would kind of get to, you know, Hey, I'm going to do me and, and I'm going to be playing golf during the playoffs. And, you know, th- there's the one story later on where he, he plays 45 holes, uh, you know, the, the day of a game. Um, I was shocked, went to see a young Michael Jordan. He just, you know, they, they're portraying him through college and high school. And I, I think this is who he was, you know, just kind of an innocent green, you know, inexperienced guy that was just grateful for whatever came his way. And it, it just didn't seem like him to be out there, you know, that early in his career w- with an opponent and, and, and then to go, go drop 63, obviously in a, in a double OT loss, but that, that, that shocked me as well. Oh, I thought it was awesome. I mean, I, I couldn't, but like, that's some, that's some real balls to say, I'm going to go play golf on my off day yeah, uh, w- with the opponent and uh, my first, you know, or for second year uh, in, in the league. And yeah. The, the one thing, the one thing I think is, okay, let, let's say it wasn't Michael. Let's say it was one of these other guys and Michael got word of it and, <laughs> yeah. you know, does it work? both ways. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but, was, but nobody else is getting 63 either. So, you know, <laughs> he can back it up. Yeah. No, the, uh, the, the 63 points in Jordan's, you know, quote about, you know, God, uh, you know, Michael disguised as God or whatever. God is disguised yeah, as Bird, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was a, yeah. uh, incredible, um, you know, credible flashback, you know, in, in, in my mind, what, what else stood out to you in the, uh, in the episode? You know, the, the one thing is, and they, they just showed a little tidbit of it, uh, just how bad the bulls were before he got there and, you know, kind how it all kind of morphed into it. You know, they got Scotty, I think in 87, um, you know, I, I had forgot a little bit about, uh, about Charles Oakley and, you know, John Paxson, you, you talk about that. Uh, that record of 30 and 52 were there, the eight seed there before they played the Celtics, you know, John Paxson hitting that little baby runner in the lane. But other than that, it's like, who was on the team? You know, I, I don't even remember any names until kind of that late eighties time when, when they started to get the Scotty Pippins and the Horace Grants. Um, so I would say just kind of how bad they were. And then, 
you know, since he's been gone, other than that, that Tom Thibodeau stretch, you know, there's been real struggle in Chicago, uh, you know, since 1998. I thought of the Paxson shot. Um, I didn't know, you know, where that was going when, when they held Jordan out with, you know, 31 seconds left and crazy, you know, he makes, he makes that shot. And, um, you know, if you watch the video, Pax ran to the locker room while everybody else celebrated. And Jordan, you know, was fired up. And um, but fast forward, you know, years later to uh, when they have the confidence and Pax and hits that big shot against Phoenix. Against Phoenix, yeah. And uh, yeah. you know, just seeing something like that kind of foretells what's you know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, I thought really stood out. The other thing is, and I've heard this over the years of uh, Oakley. Uh, John Sally told a, a great uh, story the other day on the Lebetard show of. Um, he was hanging out with, uh, I think it was uh, him and, and Oakley and a couple other guys. And somebody asked the question, and I don't know what player it was. It was maybe, you know, who, who oh, I know what it was. Like, Sally, you played, you know, in the same time with Kobe and the same time with, you know, Jordan. You know, who do you think could w- w- was better? And, and I think Sally was just trying to stir the pot, and he made some comment like something about Oak, uh, um, Kobe. And Oakley came across the room and and – punched him in the stomach (laughs) right there, like to this day. And uh, now, but it also adds to the intrigue of the players despise for Krause. You know, this was Jordan's, you know, best guy on the team. You hear this all the time, right? Like you're hearing right now. I mean, and and, and how many guys have uh, LeBron had over the years that are his buddies that he, you know, basically they bring with him because it's LeBron's guy. And, you know, they're talking about Giannis now, who's going to make him happy. Like this was the opposite. And I, and I do give Krauss credit. I mean, that's a that's a, a big time move to make, uh, especially with the physicality part, because as we go, I'm curious what that looks like, because I remember, you know, those those Pistons teams. It was a bloodbath. Who who is the person that comes to, you know, Jordan's Jordan's defense? Because, you know, Oakley got traded away. Right. Yeah. And they well, they trade him for Bill Cartwright. And, and I was surprised in the tonight, you know, in, in real time, you know, whenever they interviewed Michael about this, he, he, he basically says Kraus made the right move here. You know, we needed, we needed a little bit more size, even though, you know, Cartwright was, you know, he probably wasn't the bully that, that Oakley was, but he was a, a center and, and evidently they didn't, they didn't have, uh, you know, a player at, at the five position, you know, quite like that. But, but like you, you know, you say what else kind of stood out? Boy, they were ruthless to, to Jerry Krause. You know, the, the jokes that Michael is making in a public setting, I mean, just drilling the guy. And then, you know, at, at the very end of it, they're going into how Scotty starts like speaking out on the bus and things like that. I just can't imagine that dynamic where you have the general manager who... You know, they had a lot of clips where he's on the bus, which which I don't know if that surprised me. I just, you know, you don't deal with that in college basketball as much, you know, just the team, the coaches and the players. And, you know, he's on the bus all the time and he's kind of the outcast of the group. Mm-hmm. But yet he's still around them so much. You know, what is that like on a day to day basis? You know, it's it was crazy. Well, and you've been in locker rooms. I mean, you know, the guys really, you know, bust each other, you know, ride each other hard and uh 
you know, for a guy like that, that, you know, doesn't have much defense. You heard, you know, a lot of the jokes were short jokes, uh, 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 diet pills. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but you know, every little, you know, but what are you going to do? And the other part of it, I was like, what are you going to do? It's Jordan. It's Scottie Pippen. Like, you know, there's not much you can say. One thing I did think was, and and obviously he went on to the, to, you know, be an incredible coach with the, the Lakers as well is, you know, Phil Jackson's, kind of demeanor perspective. I know he's being interviewed, but, but it just, his perspective and the way he kind of analyzed and talked about, you know, on one hand and and one of the, you know, responses, he's like, you know, I, I, I let Scotty kind of play that out because that's what he needed to do. And uh, his demeanor really impressed me, which, I mean, it shouldn't because we've, you know, all all seen Phil Jackson before and, you know, know what kind of success he's had. But, you know, when you get all those different interviews together and you're, you're kind of getting it lumped together of kind of what the tensions were, you know, hearing from him and you see why he was able to steer that ship and why he was so important. No doubt. And then the, the story about how, how basically they, it seems like Jerry Reinsdorf cut out uh, Jerry Krause to get the deal done with Phil. You know, Jerry Krause wasn't in that meeting to get that, that, uh, that deal sealed up for the 97, 98 season. Um, but no, I thought Phil's, Phil's perspective on, on everything so far has been uh, tremendous. So I've done no research for this at all intentionally because I, I literally will want to give our reactions just as we saw it. Uh, you know, again, when we when we were growing up, you know, we were diehard fans, love Jordan. But some of these, you know, details, uh, you know, maybe you don't pick up as much, you know, in the media. And now we're going to see it all together. I, I don't know. Um, you know, obviously, Scotty stays. But what's the what changes? What changes for the the trade? Um, and, you know, he, I, I did not know that not only did demand a trade where he came out and was like, I don't see myself in a Bulls uniform ever again. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know either. And, and, and I, I should know, but I don't. And like you, I, you know, I, I'll see the things on Twitter, the, you know, the, the brief little, uh, you know, 60 second trailers or, Hey, here's a five minute release on episode three. But other than that, I'm trying to take it from the same uh, perspective that you're having where, you know, you just kind of take it live and, and we can discuss it afterwards. Uh, but I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping it's, uh, you know, I, I got with Michael, I mean, certainly somebody's going to get to him and I would think it's, you know, people in the organization that he has trust for, which I would think, uh, you know, Michael's one of those guys. So a couple other little tidbits from the episode, uh, it was, it was a real quick, uh, shot, but, uh, program for when he was in North Carolina listed him at six, five. I didn't mm-hmm. know if you caught that, but you know, he's always been listed at six, six. And you know, when we recruit players, you know, like everybody's always listed above what they are. Right. I mean, right. you know, one of the things it's always, you know, kids listed at six, two, six, three, you know, post player on the women's side, I got to call the coach. I got to see, Hey, listen, is this real? I mean, we had one kid a while back that was, uh, uh, we were recruiting it was like six, three, and then we saw him in person. They were six feet. So like I laughed because Jordan was six foot, like, you know, that, that was no exaggeration, right? Like he, he, he grows an inch when he goes to the league or, you know, they increase it for what it looked like. I, I don't know, but I right. thought that was funny. Yeah, no. I, and we, we try at Jacksonville and, you know, I, I try to recommend it to, to whoever it, it just doesn't look good for your program when, when you have guys listed at the wrong height, because, yeah. 
you know, w- whether it be a, a scout or an agent or whoever is going to be doing their research and you don't want to have to answer the question, well, is he really six, five, you know, you just, you would rather have it be, Hey, listen, what our roster sheet says online, that that is accurate. You know, we measure them at the beginning of the year with shoes on like they do at the combine or wherever else. And, and we're going to put forth the, the right information. But like you said, I mean, Frank Gaines, who you remember from, from IPFW, I mean, at one point he was six, five and, you know, we, two years later we had to make a correction cause no, he's, he's barely six, two. So I think we moved him down to six, three, but so he goes, he shrinks from his sophomore year to his senior year. Uh, if you look back at the IPFW program. So oh, yeah, I think it's, be- I think it's best to, uh, you know, keep it, keep it within a half inch, you know, you can round up, uh, by all means, but don't, don't take it further than that. How'd you like the, uh, I thought this was pretty cool. I've seen the quote before, but I mean, again, the foresight to be able to say it, like Bob Knight said, that's the best, best player I've ever seen. I mean, hands down bar none. And I mean, again, you know, Knight went on to coach, you know, I mean, he'd coached, uh, you know, a lot of great players, you know, in his, in his day, uh, had Isaiah in 81, I think is that the 81 championship. Yeah. In Indiana. Yep. So, I mean, he's he'd seen, you know, the best of the best. And for him to make that statement at that point before Jordan was really the Jordan we knew, like I thought that I thought that was pretty, pretty neat to be able to see that, you know, and obviously his knowledge of the game. Yeah, it was great. And th- there, there's one other night comment, coach night comment that they did not uh, they didn't have in there where he and there's video of this where he's talking to reporters and he's describing a situation where an NBA scout, I don't know if it was with the trailblazers or not had called him, but they, they said, you know, coach, you know, what, what do you think of the upcoming draft? He's like, well, you got to, if, if he's there, you got to take Michael Jordan. And they said, well, coach, you know, we, we really need a center. <laughs> and, and coach Knight says, well, then play Jordan at center. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I lo- anytime I, I hear uh, coach Bob Knight speak of uh, Michael Jordan, I, I think it's awesome. Well, you know, in this era, if this was if the same, same setup, same draft, you put it in this era, the trailblazers would have drafted him because now, I mean, if that were the, you know, Brad Stevens Celtics or the Spurs, they're, you know, accumulating as many of those, you know, six, six to six, eight interchangeable parts players. No doubt. So, you know, yep. you would have had Clyde and Jordan, uh, which, you know, they would have won, you know, a bunch of championships there as right. well. You just yeah, wonder, figured it out. you know, yeah. you just wonder what that would have, uh, you know, how the power struggle and egos and that kind of thing early on. But right. uh, yeah, I, I'm telling you that a lot of times these documentaries are the hype behind something like this. Um, you know, doesn't ever, doesn't ever meet the expectations. And, uh, I was uh, on the couch and I was like, this is, this is unbelievable. I mean, it captures it. And, and I really hope the, the young er- younger era of players today, you know, tunes in and watches, you know, they see, you know, they see LeBron and, and they see this era and obviously, you know, there's so many great players today, but Jordan was different and, uh, the way he went about it was different and, uh, they were rock stars. And I mean, the bulls were, you know, the national team. And I think it was uh, maybe Will Bond said, you know, he said Babe Ruth, Muhammad Ali and Michael Jordan. And uh, that's you know, the list. I believe that, that's, that's yeah. the list. And yeah. that was, uh, you know, that was pretty cool. Any other thoughts before we go? No, I think I think we've covered it. I, I appreciate uh 
you know, the, your, your thought of doing this and, and certainly, uh, add some intrigue. Uh, you know, I think it is good, obviously as coaches to sit here and, you know, make some notes, you know, I think we pulled out some things, you know, we, we talked a little bit about ego, which is, which is relevant for, for any team. And then, you know, you talked about some things that, you know, Phil Jackson did, uh, you know, to maybe, you know, let, let Scotty be himself. So I think there's going to be things throughout the, throughout the series that we can pull, uh, to take, you know, for our own, uh, professions. Well, I'm anxious to hear him hopefully dive into, I mean, there's, you know, eight more episodes, you know, the triangle a little bit, and obviously they're not going to go into crazy detail, but like, you know, how, how Jordan had to adapt his game to it. Cause you know, obviously you see right now he's scoring 49, 63 and, you know, at right. some point he had to learn how to trust his teammates. And I think you saw in the previews, they talked about the weightlifting, um, you know, during the Pistons yeah, yeah. during that yeah. era. And uh, you know, that, that kind of changed, you know, the weightlifting today is much different. Um, you know, they've, they've, more advanced and they've, you know, stretching and, and, and core as much of it would be a bit. I mean, the Bulls were one of those teams that really kind of set the tone for, I think, a lot of college programs uh, and their shift to, you know, uh, strength and conditioning. I know Purdue's uh, was, was considered one of the bigger programs during the 90s physically uh, because of their weightlifting program. So I'm looking forward to that. So, well, I appreciate it. And uh, next week we'll be with episodes three and four. Dan and I will be back to discuss. Have a great week. All right. Can't wait. Thanks, coach.